Today's C.S. Lewis Daily comes from his writing on forgiveness. We say a great many things in church, and out of church too, without thinking of what we are saying. For instance, we say in the creed, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I had been saying it for several years before I asked myself why it was in the creed. At first sight, it seemed hardly worth putting in. If one is a Christian, I thought, of course one believes in the forgiveness of sins. It goes without saying. But the people who compiled the creed apparently thought this was a part of our belief which we needed to be reminded of every time we went to church. Then I began to see that, as far as I am concerned, they were right. To believe in the forgiveness of sins is not nearly so easy as I thought. Real belief in it is the sort of thing that very easily slips away if we don't keep on polishing it up. We believe that God forgives our sins, but also that he will not do so unless we forgive other people their sins against us. There is no doubt about the second part of this statement, is in the Lord's Prayer. It was emphatically stated by our Lord. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. No part of his teaching is clearer and there are no exceptions to it. He doesn't say that we are to forgive other people's sins provided they are not too frightful or provided there are extenuating circumstances or anything of that sort. We are to forgive them all, however spiteful, however mean, however often they are repeated. If we don't, we shall be forgiven none of our own. Now it seems to me that we often make a mistake both about God's forgiveness of our sins and about the forgiveness we are told to offer to other people's sins. Take it first about God's forgiveness. I find that when I think I am asking God to forgive me, I am often in reality, unless I watch myself very carefully, asking him to do something quite different. I am asking him not to forgive, but to excuse me. But there is all the difference in the world between forgiving and excusing. Forgiveness says, Yes, you have done this thing, but I accept your apology. I will never hold it against you, and everything between us two will be exactly as it was. But excusing says, I see that you couldn't help it or didn't mean it. You weren't really to blame. If one was not really to blame, then there is nothing to forgive. In that sense, forgiving and excusing are almost opposites. Of course, in dozens of cases, either between God and man, or between one man and another, there may be a mixture of the two. Part of what seemed at first to be sins turns out to be really nobody's fault, and it is excused. The bit that is left over is forgiven. If you had a perfect excuse, you would not need forgiveness. If the whole of your action needs forgiveness, then there is no excuse for it. But the trouble is that what we call asking God's forgiveness very often really consists in asking God to accept our excuses. What leads us into this mistake is the fact that there is usually is some amount of excuse, some extenuating circumstance. We are so very anxious to point these out to God and to ourselves that we are apt to forget the really important thing, that is, the bit left over, the bit which the excuses don't cover, the bit which is inexcusable but not, thank God, unforgivable. And if we forget this, we shall go away imagining that we have been repented and been forgiven when all that has really happened is that we have satisfied ourselves with our own excuses. They may be very bad excuses. We are all too easily satisfied about ourselves. One has to remember the two remedies for this danger. One, that God knows all the real excuses very much better than we do. If there are real extenuating circumstances, there is no fear that he will overlook them. Often he must know how many excuses that we have never thought of, 
and therefore humble souls will, after death, have the delightful surprise of discovering that on certain occasions they sinned much less than they thought. All the real excusing he will do, what we have got to take to him is the inexcusable bit, the sin. We're only wasting time by talking about all the parts which we think we, we, we can be excused. When you go to a doctor, you show him the bit of you that is wrong, say a broken arm. It would be a mere waste of time to keep on explaining that your legs and eyes and throat are all right. You may be mistaken in thinking so, and anyway, if they really are all right, the doctor will know that. The second remedy is really and truly to believe in the forgiveness of sins. A great deal of our anxiety to make excuses comes from not really believing in it, from thinking that God will not take us to himself again unless he is satisfied that some sort of case can be made out in our favor. But that would not be forgiveness at all. Real forgiveness means looking steadily at the sin, the sin that is left over without any excuse, after all allowances have been made, and seeing it in all its horror, dirt, meanness, malice, and nevertheless being wholly reconciled to the man who has done it. That, and only that, is forgiveness, and that we can always have from God if we ask for it. When it comes to a question of our forgiving other people, it is partly the same and partly different. It is the same, because here also forgiving does not mean excusing. Many people seem to think it does. They think that if you ask them to forgive someone who has cheated or bullied them, you are trying to make out that there really was no cheating or bullying. But if that were so, there would be nothing to forgive. They keep on telling you, but I tell you the man broke a most solemn promise. Exactly. That is precisely what you have to forgive. This doesn't mean that you must necessarily believe his next promise. It does mean that you must make every effort to kill every taste of resentment in your own heart, every wish to humiliate or hurt him or to pay him out. The difference between this situation and the one in which you are asking God's forgiveness is this. In our own case, we accept excuses too easily. In other people's, we do not accept them easily enough. As regards my own sins, it is a safe bet, though not a certainty, that the excuses are not really so good as I think. As regards other men's sins against me, it is a safe bet, though not a certainty, that the excuses are better than I think. One must therefore begin by attending to everything which may show that the other man was not so much to blame as we thought. But even if he is absolutely fully to blame, we still have to forgive him. And even if 99% of his apparent guilt can be explained away by good excuses, the problem of forgiveness begins with the 1% of guilt, which is left over. To excuse what can really produce good excuses is not Christian character. It is only fairness. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. This is hard. It is perhaps not so hard to forgive a single great injury, but to forgive the incessant provocations of daily life, to keep on forgiving the bossy mother-in-law, the bullying husband, the nagging wife, the selfish daughter, the deceitful son. How can we do it? Only, I think, by remembering where we stand, by meaning our words when we say in our prayers each night, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. We are offered forgiveness on no other terms. To refuse it is to refuse God's mercy for ourselves. There is no hint of exceptions, and God means what he says. I would like to point out and answer Mr. Lewis a little bit with the very well-known Bible verse that you all should know, um, in which it says, We are saved by grace and by faith. Sola gracia, right, is the Latin for it, which is so important. You 
are not saved because you forgave somebody else. That would be a works-based salvation. However, we remember, and I'm sure Mr. Lewis would point out, that in James, it states that faith without works is dead. In other words, if you are forgiven by God, you will forgive other people. I would put that the condition is in some ways reversed when we look at the scripture as a whole. So please don't take this passage to discourage you from Mr. Lewis that if you can't forgive someone, you will go to hell. Look at it instead as because God has forgiven you, you will be able to in faith forgive someone because that thankfulness and that faith produces that good character within you. If you can't forgive someone, ask God for the grace to help you to forgive. Now with that said, I wanted to point out um, the difficulty sometimes, especially, I'm a sexual assault medical forensic examiner. Um, My name is Jennifer Finelli. And uh, sometimes people will try to force rape victims to forgive their assaulter um, in a way that is truly unholy and incorrect. I would like to point you to an interview um, that I did with a wonderful young woman who had been abused sexually multiple times as a child and who now has a ministry to help people with um, who are suffering from child abuse. Her name um, is Miss Lucia Sims Neal, and she's a child abuse survivor who writes a blog about living beyond childhood trauma. You can read her interview with me at becominghero.ninja slash author dash who dash survived dash child abuse dash teaches dash her dash experience dash to dash help dash others dash superhero alert. Um, You can also just go to becominghero.ninja and search for author who survived child abuse in the search bar. And she'll talk about the ways to really help survivors move forward. It's never really appropriate to tell a survivor, oh, you need to forgive. Of course, that's something that they have to do, but they cannot forget. They cannot be done dealing with it. It may take an entire lifetime. So listening, asking questions, and praying for the person. There have been a number of studies done on the power of forgiveness for mental self-healing and even physical cardiovascular health. But often when those of us who aren't child or sexual abuse survivors say forgive and forget, we're really devaluing the experience of the survivor to protect our own feelings or even forcing a premature resolution to avoid letting justice be done. There's a huge difference between a survivor's personal inner stage of forgiveness when the abuse no longer dominates her life versus the acceptance or condoning, excusing that Lewis talked about that says this isn't a big deal. At the worst extreme, the latter may even force the sufferer to keep allowing abuse to happen. Justice matters. We want survivors to experience the health benefits of inner forgiveness, but most of us can't even learn to forgive what some idiot posted on Facebook yesterday. So avoid hypocrisy with gentleness, passive steps, giving space, no rushing questions. And if you are a survivor, I ask you 
to take care of yourself. Make sure you have a mental health professional or your spiritual counseling on board and have a spiritual counselor who has training in sexual assault beyond simply seminary care. That is incredibly important. So forgiveness is possible and it is healthy and it is good. Excusing is dangerous. And I would say that sometimes uh, I would disagree with Lewis's statement that forgiveness means things will always be as they are before. With God, of course, that is possible. But as he says, with someone who lied to you, you might not necessarily believe the next lie. With somebody who has abused you, you do not need to go on taking that abuse. You can go and get help, and that person should be separated from you to protect you. In most cases, I'm not going to make prescriptive statements for all circumstances. Thank you very much for listening to this C.S. Lewis essay and discussion, and for considering, look up the wonderful work that Lucasia Sims Neal does, and then also look up, there is a uh, mental health professional who runs her entire practice against around forgiveness. Her name is Dr. Cargioli. You can look her up at drcargioli.com. And as always, this episode is sponsored by the Prometheus Studies book by Jen Finelli, Finding God in Palabolas, Tarantulas, and Mario. Look that up anywhere you get your books and enjoy 20 short meditations for 99 cents. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk again tomorrow. And on your way to bed today, listen to the song Forgiveness by Toby Mac and Lecrae. You can look it up on YouTube. Good morning.